Hello and welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Ryan, and thank you for joining us today. This is week eight of our study of Christology, the study of the life and work of Jesus Christ. So this time, we are going to study the Transfiguration. So for today's reading, there are three different places that we can look at for this. But for the sake of simplicity, let's go ahead and just read the one in Matthew. They're all very similar, so either one is fine. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 17. We're going to read the first eight verses today. The Word says, Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground and were terrified. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Get up and do not be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. So we see here in Matthew's Gospel account that something amazing happened to three particular disciples while they were under the tutelage of Jesus, and they witnessed him being transfigured. In John chapter 1, he declares that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. And so he's most likely referring to this particular occasion, the time when he went with Jesus to the top of that mountain, and he witnessed him being transfigured before their eyes. So basically what the transfiguration is, is that the glory of Christ is that of the glory of God. And in his human form, he is concealing it. His true glory is not revealed while he is walking the earth. And But for a brief moment, during the transfiguration, the three disciples that were allowed to see this were able to see his unconcealed glory. And in the process, this is a demonstration of the divinity of Christ, that he is indeed God. So what we're going to be doing right now is identifying what the transfiguration means in the context of previous revelations of the glory of Christ, as well as what the Old Testament teaches us about what significance there is in here. Now, in the Old Testament, we have a parallel that we can look at as to give us an idea of what they went through when they saw Jesus being transfigured before their eyes. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus chapter 24, and we're going to look at a few verses here 
in the middle of a chapter. Beginning in verse 12, let's go ahead and read. Now the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. But to the elders he said, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a legal matter, let him approach them. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. And to the eyes of the sons of Israel the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Another place to look at would be Exodus chapter 34, beginning in verse 29, which reads, It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers in the congregation returned to him. And Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in to speak with him. So we can see from both of these accounts that there are some parallels that we can identify here. So first off, we can see that in Exodus chapter 24, Moses went up a high mountain. And so there's many times that as we're going through this, you're going to see why a lot of theologians, as well as the theology of the Bible itself, tends to point Moses to being a type of Christ. Because of the things that he did, you'll see a lot of parallels that point to Christ. So first, we see that both of them went up a high mountain. In both accounts, we see that there was a cloud that descended on the mountain. In both accounts, we see that God speaks from the cloud. In both accounts, the events are said to begin after six days. In both accounts, the central figure becomes radiant because of their exposure to God. So it's very interesting how this plays out, right? It's, how, it's interesting how both Moses and Jesus 
share that in common through their accounts. Now, we understand that Moses is not God, Moses is not Jesus, but yet, because of his exposure to the glory of God, there was something imprinted upon him, some sort of radiance that was shining from his face. And so, he only got to see a small glimmer of his glory. As we recall, also, there was a time where he was able to see the backside of God's glory in, when he was placed in the cleft of the rock. So he didn't get to see his full glory. And I don't even think in Jesus' case that was his full glory, because no man could see that and live or be able to comprehend what they saw. But either way, it's fascinating when we see the parallels between these two. But now, the transfiguration of Jesus communicates something that's vitally important. And what it is, is that his main responsibility when he became a man was to manifest the glory of God. He is a physical representation of everything that God is. And so we see, for example, in the reading from Matthew chapter 17, that there was a general progression in the life of Jesus that moved from humiliation to exaltation. So, and it comes and goes throughout his journey, right? We see him being exalted when he was baptized. We see the Holy Spirit come upon him. We see the Father recognize his ministry. And then we see humiliation. He's in the desert with Satan being tempted. Then he's up on the cross, dying for our sins. And then he's raised from the dead, and he's in his glorified state. So we see that it starts off in a state of humiliation, but then it ends in a, in a state of exaltation. And if Christ is supposed to be the representation of what we are going to be conformed into, then that will be us as well. Our current state is a state of humility and humiliation. Yet, when we become glorified into his kingdom, then we will be exalted just like he was. So praise God for that. We have to look forward to. Now, like I was saying, the deity of Christ was made partially evident. That was not his full glory. It was still partially cloaked. And so, for the most part, the deity that Christ shared with the Father and with the Holy Spirit was cloaked. But as Jesus begins his final trek to Jerusalem, he goes to a high mountain with these three particular disciples, Peter, James, and John. And before their eyes, he was transfigured. And this word transfiguration comes from the Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis, a transformation of sort. Now, in Matthew's account, the one that we read, it said that Jesus' face shone like the sun. And this reminds us of what happened to Moses after he caught a glimpse of God's glory, where his face started to shine, too. And he had to veil himself before the people of Israel because his face was freaking him out. So he had to veil it, just like Jesus is veiling his glory when he's walking the earth. But the difference is, is that Moses shone with the reflected light of God's glory, not his own. But Jesus shone with light that emanated from himself. So even though he was man, he was still God. And so he showed a glimpse of who he really was underneath the flesh. 
And believe it or not, this is not the only time Jesus shows his glory in this way. Paul got to see it too. If you recall, when he was on the road to Damascus, before he became Paul, he met Jesus on the road, and he was surrounded by bright light, and he, and he saw the Lord in his glorified state. But in the case of Paul, the glory was so bright that it caused him to be blind at the end of it. That's how radiant Jesus was. And then if we read at the book of Revelation, what's going to happen at the end, it says that the glory of God is going to be so bright that there's no need for a sun. There will be no need for sunlight because in the new heavens and the new earth, the glory of God is going to shine over everything. So that's fascinating to think about. So we looked at what Jesus' face was described as. Now let's look at his clothes. So his clothes were described as being as white as light. Or it was also described by one of the other gospel accounts that it was so white that no material on earth could be laundered to be that white. So that means there was not a single blemish, there was not a single stain, there was not a single contaminant in it. It was completely pure. And so we understand an absence of all color is blackness, but a reflection of all color is absolute white. He was showing absolute white in his appearance. Now, if you've ever read Herman Melville's book, pretty famous book, Moby Dick, it contains a chapter titled The Whiteness of the Whale, which is portraying the whale as a symbol for God and his purity. So just a little fun fact there if you needed to know that. So now we've talked about his face, we've talked about his clothes, let's talk about the voice that was heard. We'll get to the two people that were there to visit. So as Jesus was being transfigured, he was joined by Moses and Elijah. And while Jesus was speaking to these two men, Peter wanted to build tabernacles for them. But then as he was speaking, a bright cloud, it wasn't a dark cloud, it was a bright cloud that overshadowed them. And the voice that came through was God the Father. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. God the Father is commanding them to listen to Jesus. That's significant. What else is significant is why Moses and Elijah specifically were there. So what was Jesus representing when he walked the earth? He was representing God the Father, right? He was the physical representation of the nature of of God the Father. But this isn't the only thing. Moses and Elijah share a particular importance as well. Elijah is still alive. He didn't die, if you recall. He went up in a chariot of fire to heaven. Moses did die, but he still came back to do this. So why these two guys in particular? Well, because Moses represents the law. He wrote the law through God. And Elijah is representing the prophets. So Jesus talks about that quite often, that everything hinges upon the law and the prophets. To fulfill the law and the prophets, you love the Lord your God, and you love your neighbor as yourself. So that's why those two men in particular were there. And when Peter sees these guys, I don't know how he knows 
unless they just know in their spirit that those are the two guys, or if Jesus told them that this is Moses and Elijah. I don't really know. The Bible doesn't really say anything about that, how they know that those two guys are those two guys. It's not like they had pictures and stuff back then, but which is fascinating in itself. But when Peter sees them, he wants to make three tabernacles, three little tents, one for each of them. And before he even gets the chance to do anything about that, he's stopped in his tracks by God the Father, who's just saying, we don't need to do that. You just need to listen to him. So we can say with certainty that the reason why Jesus was transfigured was to show his glory to the disciples, but also to show as a representation that he is representing God the Father's nature He's representing the law and the prophets which were written for him and about him. So he is the fulfillment of all of who God is, as well as all the Old Testament. So it's fascinating when we see this. It's a very brief story, right? It's only about eight verses long, but yet there's so much in there that we need to pull out of there. So now, here's a couple of things to look at. I'm going to read you a verse from the book of Deuteronomy. And I want you to think about this. See if this has anything to do with what we're talking about. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. So that was what Moses said to the people when he's giving the final law. He said that there was going to be a prophet later that would come from Israel that would be the Messiah. It's almost as if Matthew is alluding to it in verse 5 of this story. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Right? What did Moses say? Listen to this prophet. And what did God say? Listen to your master, your rabbi. Because they're the same person. This is the prophet that Moses was talking about. He is the fulfillment of what Moses was predicting. Another thing to consider. All three accounts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke are preceded by an enigmatic prophecy made a week earlier, before this event, in which Christ says, this, back in Matthew chapter 16, verse 28. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, some theologians argue that the transfiguration is the fulfillment of this prophecy. What do you think? Personally, I don't agree. What I think this is alluding to is Of the three men that were there, Peter, James, and John, is there anywhere else in the Bible where they got to see Jesus coming in his kingdom? From what I know of, there's only one that got to see that, and that is John. John wrote the book of Revelation. He got to see the transfigured Christ, but he also got to see Christ in his return through the prophetic revelation that we read in our Bible today. And so I think this is where that scripture was fulfilled, personally. 
I think that John was the one that did not taste death until he saw Jesus coming back his second time, while also bringing the kingdom of heaven down to earth. And so I think that's where that's coming from. And if you disagree or if you have supporting statements for a different theory, please send me an email. I'd love to debate that with you. But that's my personal belief. Now here's a good question. Why do you think Jesus revealed his glory to only these three guys? Why didn't he reveal himself to the rest of them? To me, that's kind of a head-scratcher, because when you look at what the disciples did after Pentecost, Peter is obviously very famous, and he did a lot of good for the kingdom, and John did a lot of good for the kingdom as well, especially with how much content they have in the Bible each. But James, not so much. And this is not the same James who wrote the book of James. The James that wrote the book of James is Jesus' half-brother. And in this case, this James is the brother of John, together them being called Boanerges, or the Sons of Thunder. And James, while he did some good, he did not have such a strong presence after Jesus rose from the dead and so I really don't know why he revealed himself to only them. Now, perhaps they shared some sort of leadership role in the first church that we don't really know about too much. I know that James did stuff. I just don't know exactly if it was enough to warrant this. But not only that, but he did have an inner circle of disciples. He had 12 disciples, but bear in mind there's always a crowd following him. Those 12 men were his true disciples. The rest of them were followers. But even within the 12 disciples that he claimed, only three of them were in the inner circle. And so we have to be careful not to think that God just picked favorites or something, but he had something planned special for those three. And so I don't know exactly all the details on that because I really don't have a solid answer for this, but it is something to think about. And we can definitely debate that as well. Why you think God revealed himself through Jesus to only these three guys. So this is the overview of the transfiguration. And I want you today, as we conclude, to walk away with meditating upon one particular scripture. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, which says this, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. We are being conformed into the likeness of Jesus, being Christians. If we are true Christians indwelt with the Holy Spirit, with that pledge of promise that we will enter into his kingdom, then God is sanctifying you. He is causing you to become more and more holy and more and more like his son. So we will one day be transformed into his image. The same way he was transfigured, we are going to be transfigured likewise. And that is something wonderful to look forward to. And we will be able to see him with unveiled face. They got to see him somewhat cloaked. They saw him somewhat veiled. The people of the Exodus saw Moses veiled because they could not handle 
his radiance. But we're going to see God in the end. We're going to see him without veil. We are going to see the pure, full glory of God. And I can't even fathom how amazing that's going to be. But it's going to be amazing. And we'll have all eternity to behold it, and to study it, and to learn everything we can about it. We have something great to look forward to. And let's never forget that. And with that, that's all that I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.